Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for joining in. My guest this week is Nadia Walji. Nadia is a yoga therapist. We have an amazing conversation about yoga, Ayurveda, and a lot of other really cool stuff. I hope you guys enjoy. Check me out on Instagram, at NoorKidWai. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, Nadia Walji. All right, welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. Today I'm here with Nadia Walji. Nadia, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Noor. I appreciate it. <laughs> no worries. This is going to be fun. I always love talking to people in the in the yoga, I guess, community, if you want to call it that. But uh, yeah, yeah like, I don't know. Why don't you introduce my, uh, yourself to my audience a little bit more uh, and just tell them a little bit about kind of uh, who you are and what you kind of do in yoga. Sure. Um, so I'm a certified yoga instructor. Uh, who went deeper into the practice and philosophy and understanding of yoga by taking a thousand hour course um, up at Bloor and Christie um, with the teachers there who studied under the lineage of Krishnamacharya. So um, I'm now a certified yoga therapist and this uh, training allows me to work with people one-on-one to pacify any symptoms or uh, conditions that may be arising. Okay. And when you say like Mm -hmm. uh, symptoms or conditions, what do you kind of mean by that? For sure. So, um, so let me uh, step back for a moment. So I teach group classes and um, I I teach more of the gentler, slower practices because we live a very hectic lifestyle. So I like to offset those um, kind of day-to-day activities with a very slow, mindful practice. Um, And so then with respect to working one-on-one with people, I find that people are very stressed. Um, they have experienced anxiety. Some people experience sleep issues or digestive issues. So I can work with them to help mitigate those issues. Mm-hmm. And so like that would be the difference, I guess, between like a therapist and a, uh, an instructor, correct? You got it. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, so when you're teaching a group class, you're teaching a group of people. And you're not able to really respect the individual and what they're going through. So you give a, a class that ha- like may, someone may be experiencing low back pain, someone may be experiencing um, upper back pain or neck issues or whatever, and you're giving them all the same asana practice. And so you're not really, you may be aggravating one condition or pacifying another. You're not really respecting that individual. So when people come to me, I look at the physical, physiological, psychological symptoms which informs me of what kind of practice to offer them oh really all right and that's cool so you're like you basically uh i like that it's like uh i always love anything that's like very holistic like this especially Mm -hmm. when we're looking at the body because you're looking at every aspect of the person and um so when you say you can like you can kind of give like a practice to them like that's personalized so like you have different practices that you kind of uh learned that you can 
like kind of be able to make it a unique one for every person eh? definitely so I call it we have I have more tools in my toolkit to offer people and mm-hmm. so that could be there's many many asanas and modifications to those asanas and asanas are postures um, and so uh, I could give them certain asanas or modifications of those to help alleviate you know symptoms with their low back let's say then we also offer pranayama practices breathing practices so we elongate the breath to kind of activate the parasympathetic nervous system because a lot of our symptoms arise from stress Mm -hmm. so if our body is in fight or flight mode all of the other systems are shut down to fight that perceived stress and so digestion is um, inhibited and things like that so sleep is inhibited, those types of things. So step one is to work with the breath. So I always encourage um, my students, my clients to work with the breath and we give certain pranayama practices to elongate that breath and help pacify the whole system. And then we, we use movement, gentle movement with an elongated breath to help them uh, from a physical or physiological standpoint. Oh, amazing. So can you tell my audience then when pranayama, that is basically what you're saying is like different types of breath work because you, you got right? it. Yeah. 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 So in, in Sanskrit, prana means that life force energy. So it's also known as chi in Chinese medicine. Yama in, in Sanskrit means to lengthen or extend. So the intention is to bring more prana into the system so that you have more prana inside versus a, around you or outside. Because a lot of us may um, release or let go of that prana throughout the day. And so then maybe they feel fatigued. So drawing more prana into the system creates more vitality and, you know, uplifts you and things like that. Okay. I love that. And uh, so when you talk about these different pranayama uh, uh, exercises, can you tell me <laughs> what, when do you want to slow down the breath and when do you want to speed up the breath? Is there a difference for each? Mm. Um, so I would, that's a great question. I would, I would maybe suggest or present the breath work in a different way. So we work with the four components of the breath, the inhalation, the hold after inhale, the exhalation and the hold after exhale. And so we play with those four components of the breath to create an effect. And so let's say someone uh, is feeling very lethargic and heavy. Let's say it's winter and Mm. They're, they're just feeling very sluggish. So I would create a, a morning practice for, for them. And I'd focus on um, the inhale and the hold after inhale to stimulate their system, to draw more prana into the system. Okay. If, if someone is having trouble with sleep, I would work with them um, in creating an evening practice to elongate the exhale and create a bit of a hold after the exhale to pacify the whole system. So that's how we work. Okay. And why would it pacify? Is it because you're releasing prana? So it's slowing down the system? Um, so, so imagine the sigh. The exhale component of the breath is very relaxing, right? Mm. So, you're like, so if you're exhaling and elongating the exhale, you're really pacifying the system. And you'll notice if you, if you, if you do that, if you and I did that together, you might end up starting to yawn because you're just really calming down the mm. system. And that's usually what happens. And, and sometimes people in my group classes, they end up falling asleep 
and and I find that a compliment because then I'm like, oh, it was very effective. <laughs> yeah, so they're like, damn, got another <laughs> one. Yeah, <laughs> you should, exactly. You should take pictures of that, put it on Instagram, be like, I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I great. like that. Um, so maybe let's uh, talk a little bit about like the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system a bit because it seems like mm-hmm. this is kind of what. Uh, these pranayama practices and all these yoga practices try to kind of hit on. Um, can you maybe give my audience a little understanding of the the different systems and like how one kind of does help with rest and the other helps with or is more like stress inducing? Yeah, so um, the sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight um, system. And so perhaps you're out hiking and you see a bear and then you you're all your systems are on alert um and so it's fight flight or freeze and and you just kind of get into this state um and so your body kind of just shuts down all of the systems to fight that perceived stress in our everyday modern society um we find you know receiving a hundred emails driving in traffic running around to pick up your kids that's our perceived stress. We're, we're rarely breathing. We're probably breathing very shallow or holding our breath. Mm -hmm. So we're always in that like very active hyper state. And so when would the body have time to relax and really take the time to digest and all of those wonderful things? So, so these practices with yoga therapy, we, we ask you to create, you know, 10, 15 minutes in the morning um, to really connect with yourself, connect with your breath And then at the end of the day to also implement that so that you can, one, start the day off really relaxed and, you know, in a better place. And then two, at the end of the day, you know, just letting go of those tensions that may have accumulated from the day so that you have a more effective sleep. And that's where we kind of engage that parasympathetic nervous system to give our body that kind of time to um, do all the things that it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And so the breath is definitely connected to that parasympathetic nervous system. Definitely, eh? definitely. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because in our modern day society, we gravitate to things that are outside of ourselves, right? Sometimes we lean on things um, to pacify our symptoms, sorry, our system. Um, so for instance, you know, there's a big uptake in smoking weed and I have nothing like I'm not judging anyone or anything but that's that's quite prevalent nowadays and it's interesting to me because we have this tool that's within us it's free you take it wherever you go and nobody leans into it you Mm -hmm. know like this is something within us that can help calm our systems and we don't have to buy it like we can just tap into it so it's funny to me that we never learn to lean into our breath and it's really not talked about that much, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's something I've kind of had to learn myself over the years. Uh, I think like maybe yeah. five, six years ago when I started, maybe even a little longer than that, when I started doing like a little bit of a yoga practice, just myself at home. But I started mm-hmm. noticing like, okay, I got to start breathing through my nose <laughs> because like, yeah. it's just like, yeah, and like making that switch. Um, It takes a while, but you have to actively do it. You have to actively like, or mindfully, that's a better word, mindfully, like breathe through your nose more and more until your system eventually does it um, yeah. automatically. But uh, definitely, yeah, just learning to like change your breath like that has definitely been a lifesaver for me. Um, definitely. Have you ever done any of these like 
kind of fast paced breathing exercises where you're like taking in a lot of uh, mm. breath like uh, in a short period of time? Yes. So there's Kapalabhati and then there's also Breath of Fire in the Kundalini yoga um, uh, lineage. And, and so those are very heating. They're very like activating where you exhale very rapidly and quickly and you contract the lower abdomen. Um, mm. Those are interesting practices, but they're, they're meant for something, right? Like I wouldn't just introduce it to myself or to my clients or students um, without there being a rationale for it. Um, mm. But yeah, they're, they're very activating and heating, uh, I find in the system. What would yeah. uh, activating and heating be useful for? That's a great question. I have never really offered it to one of my clients yet. I think that it would be just stimulating for, let's say, someone who's lethargic, or maybe they have a cold system or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think that that might be appropriate. But I haven't really delved into other reasons why I uh, would offer it. So I would have to like, get back to you on that one. Okay, no, that's cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I like this, though, like how we're talking about this, like parasympathetic, because it seems like this is something you help with a lot with your clients and trying to get mm -hmm. people to, into that restful state. So have you noticed yeah. like when people come in for digestion, because it seems like digestion is like one of the like biggest things people deal with these days. Like Definitely. I even have my own issues with it myself once in a while. Yeah. And like, um, yeah. and these practices you do see an actual, like uh better digestion coming out of it. Yeah, definitely. So I, the reason why I focus on anxiety, sleep and, and uh, digestion and stress, of course, is because I have experienced those things. And so I know how to help myself. And therefore, when I work with people that are also suffering from these things, I have experiential knowledge, right? Mm. So I, I've, for instance, you know, I've never had a baby. So I wouldn't work with like someone who's pregnant because I don't have that experience. And I don't know if I would be the best person to go to. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so personally, and I've seen it in my clients, if they follow kind of the recommendations and if they implement the tools on a daily basis, they will see results. But it's also like someone comes to a personal trainer and says, I want to get strong or whatever their goals are or ambitions. And the trainer gives them tools to work with or says, here's your program for the next however long. If they're not diligent in practicing, they're not going to see the results. So that's also how yoga therapy works. It's like, here is your homework. Consider chewing 20 times each bite because digestion starts in the mouth, right? Yeah, yeah. We all have teeth and saliva. And I have seen people just shoveling food in their mouth <laughs> and they're not <laughs> chewing properly, right? Like my dad growing up, he'd always be like, chew a lot, chew a lot. Like he always instilled that in us and he's a very like mindful eater. Um, and so I chew quite well, but I even had to increase the amount of times I was chewing because that really takes a toll off of the, you know, the stomach and the rest of the system, mm. right? So so one, step one would be, are you chewing mindfully? Are you eating away from your desk or a screen? Because you're not really creating that connection to the body. If you slow down and start to eat, you'll really start to feel like, oh, I'm actually full or I'm three quarters of the way full. I could probably pause here, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so a you, good uh, yeah. piece of advice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So that's one. And then we talk about 
food combinations. Um, you know, some foods might not make sense to eat at the same time. So let's say somebody has a steak and then they have fruit with the steak or right after, like the steak is definitely going to take longer to eat. So can you maybe introduce fruit away from those meals mm -hmm. and eat it by itself? Right. Cause it just, it would be really hard and taxing and it could create some, um, uh, what's it called fermentation in, in the system. Um, so that's another thing that we talk about is just trying to um, not create ama or toxicity in the system. So another thing I've learned is, you know, leftovers, maybe have leftovers like the next day, but not for five days. Oh, no yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're calling me out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, but these are things, you know, I've learned and or even like uh, spices, certain spices, like we all know fennel, ginger, that helps with digestion. So there's so many tools that I can kind of suggest. And if you implement them, you'll start to feel the difference. Oh, that's so amazing. And like, so you're saying that this is something you've kind of experienced yourself and had to experiment your, with yourself? Definitely. And I, and I also understand how hard it is to change habits, you know, because I started this journey, however many years ago, and it's been an ongoing journey of implementing these new tools until they just become second nature. So I wake up in the morning, no problem, I make my tea. Before, if you asked me, like, a few years ago, it would have been more of a painful, like, oh, I have to make this tea now, you know, like that. Um, but now these things are just second nature. They're a part of my day and my life. Mm, yeah. And uh, no, I know what you're saying. Those habits can definitely be like yeah. tough to change. Uh, so I and, like it's nice to get somebody like yourself to like work with because I guess you kind of give the support. Uh, I'm not sure if you would do it the motivational way. Like <laughs> I know sorry, some of us guys, we kind of get into that motivation like all right, do what you freaking put pansy. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're a bit tough on people. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of how we've uh, learned to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So let me ask you about like anxiety. Then, like, would you look at anxiety as pretty similar to stress, or do you think it's a little different? Um. Mm, how do you kind question. of deal with that? So. So okay. So let me start by saying it's our mind that causes our suffering. Mm. So it's our mind that tends to wander. It tends to wander in the past. It time travels to the past and it ruminates there or it wanders to the future. And so they say that people who are ruminating in the, the past are often depressed. Mm. They're just repeating the same stories in their head and kind of ruminating there or they're worried about the future that hasn't happened. And so you could say that those people are anxious. Mm. And so the practice of yoga and meditation is to train your mind to stay present. Mm. And how do you do that? You do that by anchoring to elements that are always in the here and now. So for example, our body is always present. Mm -hmm. Our breath is always present. They don't leave this you know, state of now. Um, sounds in the space the temperature in the room, like all of these elements are here. So if you can start to anchor your mind and train it to stay present. So the best thing I would suggest is to anchor it to the breath, because when you start to notice the breath and, and consciously breathe, you will start to calm the mind and relax the body. That's amazing. So, yeah, right. So so, um, so that's what I would say about anxiety it's just like where is your mind can you can you take a step back and become the witness 
or the watcher and be aware of those thoughts, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, that's a great way to kind of uh, how you pretty much said it. I, I like how you said that. <laughs> I, I kind of uh, like, I like how you said it's like more of a mental thing too. Cause like, yeah, uh, yeah I'm wondering, do you think stress uh, would exist more in the body or is it like a little bit of both? I guess that's like kind of a tough question, but. <laughs> I think that, I think that our mind is just like pushing, pushing, pushing and it creates like tension. This is how I imagine it. Um, it creates, you create tension in the mind, which, which, um, like, I can't think of the word right now, but which it results in the body, the body, you know, the mm-hmm. body is carrying that tension. It kind of manifests in the body. Is that the word that, you're thinking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I was trying to think of the word, but I can't, that's perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I agree. And, uh, I think like when like me and you all let the audience know we met like last week and um we were talking yeah. about uh yeah we I like I was really interested in your practice and everything and uh mm-hmm. I was just telling you about the practice I do which is um called uh Zhang 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 but it's uh it's a different type yeah. of oh you got the book there too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah it's a different type of uh kind of uh Tai Chi which is a, a lot about relaxing the tension in your body and mind mm-hmm. as well and it's like a, it's a standing meditation where you stand and you stay sta- um, standing for like 20 minutes and uh, you can yeah. even go longer but I know that might sound easy to people but like it, the one thing is it gets really tough and like you'll mm-hmm. feel tension all over your body and your mind starts racing but when you start developing this into a practice you learn to relax the tension and like all your body and uh your mind will be very alert because you're standing but will really quiet down which is like been so beneficial to me just to help with my anxiety and with my pain because you realize like a lot of your pain just kind of comes from it it, I don't know it just kind of comes from freaking tensions in your body that you're not even aware of half the time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also potentially from us not moving enough, right? Like we live a very sedentary lifestyle. And so some of that tension could be a result of just us sitting in a certain position for most of the day, right? Like, it's very true. I should learn to sit like you. I could just see your like, back so nice and straight. I'm like, all right, that's a good seat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how, uh, I, I saw on like your Instagram too, like you have dealt with like pain through your life. Um, mm-hmm. How can I get, can you maybe give my audience a little journey into like what kind of pain you dealt with, how you, um, how you kind of dealt with it? Yeah. So I'm primarily low back pain. Um, and so I think that's like been a result of sitting at a desk and perhaps not having a strength training practice. And so I'm working one-on-one with a personal trainer to create more strength in my body and create more awareness. Cause at the end of the day, yoga is about self-study and Mm self-awareness. And so I have a team of practitioners that I work with to help with any blind spots that I may have. Cause I'm also on this journey too, right? Like I, although I have the tools, I'm constantly kind of updating and understanding and implementing, um, these practices and I'm leaning into different modalities to help with that pain. So it's not just through yoga therapy and Ayurveda, 
it's also like, oh, let me go to this osteopath. How about I work with this personal trainer to help with these low back issues? Perhaps I need to incorporate a bit more mobility or like I said, strength. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And I also, from an emotional standpoint, from a pain standpoint, I don't know if you saw anything on Instagram per se about that, but I will speak to that. Um, I also work with a therapist. And so she talks to me about, you know, times where I'm feeling triggered by a certain event and how does that feel in my body? And so then we, because we're also trained to be in the mind Mm -hmm. that she really gets me to become more aware of the feelings that reside in my body. And so to really tap in and, and feel, and she's like, Hey, tell me, you know, the color, like the shape, is it dense and things like that. And then we work through those feelings. Like perhaps that feeling um, came up when I was at a young age, let's say I was four years old when I felt this feeling. Perhaps it's like something stuck in my throat, like a frog in my throat. And I didn't speak up when I was four, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then when I don't speak up in my adult life, that frog in my throat appears, right? Mm -hmm. And so then it's like becoming more aware of, oh, this is a signal from my body to perhaps speak up or if I felt safe enough. You know what I'm saying? So hell yeah, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So pain from a physical standpoint, I can appreciate from a low back perspective. I've also dealt with IBS, which is like a big Mm -hmm. one that the population uh, also deals with Um, anxiety, stress, of course, and then just working through stuff that I've been through as a child. And it's still kind of with me in my adult life. So I I definitely lean into other practitioners to help me um, create more insight into myself. Nice. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That (laughs) kind of like how you were saying you're dealing with the talk with a therapist about that stuff. Like, I've done the same thing. Was it like a somatic kind of meditation they gave you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. So like, I've dealt with like shoulder pain for years and years. And like, um, I remember finally, like, you know, I'm just like, I know there's nothing really wrong with it. It's just, but it just keeps coming back. And I'm just like, what the hell's going on? Like, how is it not like healing properly? So like, I I did eventually go to like, uh, uh, a therapist who would call it, uh, I forget what they called the the therapist, but it's like, uh, uh, neuro, neuro, some neuro pain, something neurotropic pain or something like that. But it's basically like, they talk about uh, how your pain signals because pain just comes from your brain. Like, you know, yeah. like if you punch somebody like the, the, the signal goes to the head and then the head says, Oh, that's pain. And then you feel the pain. So sometimes yeah. that pain signal just stays on for some reason. And a lot mm-hmm. of it is because of like how you're talking about like a past event or something, or, um, it can just be fear and or anxiety or something like stress. Like when those things click, your brain starts going, oh, pain. And like it can create pain in your body. And I noticed that I was doing that a lot with my shoulder. And mm. uh, yeah, and there was one thing uh, I practiced that somatic uh, kind of mindfulness training that you're talking about where you just kind of, you know, sit with yourself and observe your body and observe like your pain when it come pops up and see like what it is and like, sometimes Mm. just kind of tell yourself like for me like I had to tell myself I'm safe because like whenever the pain popped up it would always kind of make me go like 
yeah, it would always kind of make me go like, oh shit, like a, a tax coming, like, oh, like, oh, this yeah. is just going to get worse or like, oh, damn it, this again. And like, I would just start worrying and like catastrophizing it and like that would make yeah. the pain worse. But like, once I kind of mm-hmm. start told myself like, hey, like, hey, I'm safe. It's fine. It's just like, mm-hmm. this is just a little pain. It's the, probably a little stress or something happening in my yeah. life. Once I did that, it could really calm my body down and the pain signals would reduce like so much because mm, of that. that's so good that's yeah. really good tips and advice yeah no it's like uh it is an interesting uh it is an interesting way when you start to like learn about this kind of stuff like yeah I don't know I find it so fascinating <laughs> definitely definitely so uh, I want to know though like were you always interested in this kind of stuff or you always like a very kind of spiritual person and like this is something <laughs> you wanted to get into um or how did that yeah. turn that's cool I thought I was wondering if you'd ask me about that so um so I grew up with like a very spiritual father and you know my family is very spiritual and we grew up in a community um the Ismaili Muslim community where we look at we interpret the faith or the practice of Islam in a more esoteric manner. Mm. And I think that you do as well, if I'm not mistaken, like your name means light in Arabic, (laughs) which is so beautiful, (laughs) like the light of God. So that's pretty beautiful. Um, But yeah, I think growing up in, in this uh, community, it sparked that kind of curiosity. And it also, um, got me to look at things differently, you know? And so that kind of searching and trying to find answers, like what is the meaning of life? Like, what is all of this all about? Um, How do we find that peace within us? Uh, That was always there. And, you know, my dad's been very influential in my life. Oh, I'm gonna Uh get like emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I know he's gonna listen to this, so. Yes. So he's been really, really influential in my life. And um, yeah. And, and then a friend introduced me to yoga when I started out my career in advertising and, um, and I didn't know what yoga was about. And like, I started to realize, oh, our body is connected. Like it's so bizarre. Cause I think I thought of myself as separate, like this is my arm and that's my back, but I never thought like, oh, maybe sitting in this posture will affect my back. Like, I just didn't have that Mm -hmm. awareness yet. And so I think like I slowly started to build that awareness through the practice of yoga. And then a cousin of mine introduced me to a teacher training program in Kundalini Hatha Yoga. So I took that, but that was in 2007, 8. And I wasn't ready to teach at that time, but it really gave me a small sense or understanding of like okay there's more to this than the physical practice because I find the western world um portrays it in a in a different way like I feel like yoga or asana is very um performative in some ways like especially on social media like it's beautiful you see these beautiful lines and you see these bodies doing wonderful shapes and they look amazing but um, there's more to it. And that's what I started to understand and mm. learn. And then um, in 2015, I stepped back from advertising and I started to freelance. So I had a little bit more time and I took another teacher training program. Mm. And that was a wonderful foundation um, in the practice. 
And then in 2019, my mentor told me about Yoga Therapy Toronto. And then so that like was a game changer. Um, That really helped me understand like the healing practice of yoga and Ayurveda. Like I, I'm so eternally grateful to my mentor for like recommending that program to me. And yeah, I'm grateful to my teachers and the lineage that we are studying under because yeah, it's beautiful. It, it teaches us how to come out of suffering and, and the way to come out of suffering is in the yoga sutras. And so our teachers would, I never understood why I'm like, why are they getting us to listen to these Sanskrit sutras? Like, I don't know Sanskrit, but as you keep listening, like you, it starts to like, it starts to kind of go deep within your system. And then you start to like memorize the sutras. And then if you study them with, with the teachers, you start to understand, huh, how can we come out of suffering? And, and I can touch on that if you'd like, uh, Okay, yeah, because like sutras, would that be kind of like a mantra? Or what are you talking when you say sutra? Yeah, so the yoga sutras is a seminal text, kind of like the Quran or the Bible. It's our seminal text in yoga. And oh, so yeah. potentially, yeah, potentially, okay. um, he he like created. Yeah, I've book. read that now. Never mind. Yeah. I, now I know which one you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so and so like the first line of the sutras is basically here and now I am ready to um, to accept or learn or study under the like the teachings of yoga. I'm ready. I here and now mm-hmm. I am ready to to take this on, you know, and mm-hmm. integrate it in my life. And um, basically, he says that when we come in, this is how I understand it. Okay. So when we come into this world, we're still very connected to the source. And, and so we have that connection, but as we start to immerse ourselves in this physical world, we start to forget that connection and Mm -hmm. we start to become more attached to things in this, this physical plane. Yeah. And so when we lose that connection or when we forget that connection, um, I once again, this is how I understand it is we start to feel a void in ourselves or void inside. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we start to seek things to fill that void. So whether that's like going shopping or food or drugs or alcohol or whatever it is like chocolate or, you know what I'm saying? Like it, we start to fill that void with this temporary thing and it never really fulfills us. Like, Mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying? And so, um, so, so basically this misunderstanding that we are ourselves in this life, like I am Nadia, I'm a smiley Muslim, I'm a female, like whatever, this misunderstanding that I am this body in this life is called avidya. Vidya in Sanskrit is to see. Avidya is to see incorrectly. And so we see the, the world through this dirty lens. And so the practice of yoga is to, to work with the mind to clear the, um, the misinterpretation or the misunderstanding so that you can see things more clearly. Mm-hmm. I love that. Right? Yeah. And so, so, so through the practice of meditation, you're taking a step back from your thoughts. You're not becoming so attached to your thoughts and you're kind of, sitting in that witness place where that place is unchanging within you. And so when you take that step back and you start to connect there more, you start to kind of 
disconnect and not give those thoughts so much power. And then when you start to sit in that truth and that essence, like I would hope that you would start to see things with more clarity. A hundred percent. No, you said that yeah. really well. I like that. Um, yeah. No, that was really beautiful. I was wondering, like when you were saying like you practice all these different types of yoga and mm -hmm. you trained with them, like was there one type of yoga that resonated with you the most or anything? I think like, so Kundalini yoga was, is, was, and is very powerful practice. And it was, it was, um, it, I, I don't know if I'll ever go back, but it was great for that time. Yeah. And then when I studied under, um, this other teacher, Hatha yoga and restorative yoga and yin yoga, like, I think that those practices like restorative and yin yoga, where they're more still and gentle practices, those resonate with me more because I live a very active lifestyle. Like I have a full-time job and, you know, I'm juggling a lot of things. So for me personally, I gravitate towards like the practices that slow allow me to slow down. And I also mm -hmm. gravitate towards those practices when I'm teaching because I definitely feel like our society needs to slow down mm -hmm. and really take time for themselves. So although Kundalini yoga was great for me at that time, I really resonate with more of the slower practices. And then through the practice of yoga therapy, um, I was able to maybe like create more tools and a deeper understanding of the more gentler practices. Um, yeah. To really help round myself out. No, that's amazing. Uh, I, I <laughs> like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I want to try some of like those uh, gentle <laughs> practices more. I think I'm like, I'm like yeah. the exact opposite. I've always been like, I need to get more energy in me. I need to get more strength. I guess that's yeah. like, I think that's like a little bit of this, the man and me just trying to be like uh, that. Yeah. Kind of, you know? <laughs> but it's interesting that you say that because I find like, it's not, um, for lack of a better word, like some of these gentle practices are not, sexy like they're not like oh my gosh that's so cool like if I were to take a picture of somebody resting in my class like no one's gonna be like oh my god I want that do you know ha, what I mean ha, like ha, ha. Yeah, yeah everyone wants to get strong they want to be active like there's all these active classes and um focus on this very yeah I say active practices mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying and there's there's no really glam or about doing a relaxation practice so I find it's hard for me to I'm not trying to convince every, anyone to to take my classes or come to me or anything, but it's just not emphasized enough in our society, you know? A hundred percent. No, I, I agree completely. It's um, it's something that uh, should like, I, I think any kind of practice like that should be like kind of tried out just to see how it does with people, like just give yeah. it a shot. Because even with yeah. me, like when I got into this standing meditation, like Tai Chi thing, like when I first like saw it, because uh, I was recommended it, I was just like, this is stupid. Like, I can't, <laughs> like, it feels like this is something for like 70 year olds or something like that. But like, finally, just because I was trying so many things because of my shoulder and stuff, I was just like, all right, I'll give it a shot and try it. And like, just like seeing how hard it was at first going like, okay, like, it's really hard to relax my body. Like that can't be good. Yeah. <laughs> then like, uh, just sticking with it and like feeling the deep relaxation you can get with it. And like the, just like the amount of energy it gives to you, because like how you were saying with prana, 
they say mm-hmm. uh, in Chinese, uh, in their uh, medicine, they say like, uh, what is it called? Qi. So like, qi. yeah. Qi. So when you're in that state and you're relaxing your body, the blood flows through all your muscles and stuff and it gives qi to every part of your body. And it's like, yeah. And it makes you all uh, get with so much more energy and stuff. And like, yeah, like I started feeling it. I'm just like, okay, that was me taking a chance. Yeah. And it like, it really gave me something that now I add to my everyday life. So like, yeah, I encourage people to just give those uh, different types of practices a chance. That's wonderful. I'm so glad that you found that. And that's the thing is like, you know, if you find something that, that supports you in that way, like all power to, you know, keep implementing that, like, just know that, you know, yoga therapy, yoga is, is available to you, even to you, like, but I'm I'm so happy that you found this practice and you're leaning mm. into it. Yeah, mm. no, thank you. Um, all right, I do want to ask a little bit about Ayurveda because this okay. is something um I've uh, definitely I've talked to people about before, and I've always found it so interesting, especially because it does talk a lot about how we eat as well. Um, yeah, and I know you're just trying to get into getting into this, but like, what do you, Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of stuff have you learned, uh, learning about Ayurveda? What, what resonates with you? Yeah. So Ayurveda is the science of life and uh, like, honestly, it's, it's such a beautiful interpretation and way to see the world and ourselves and how we're all interconnected. So, um, Ayurveda believes that we are a microcosm of the macrocosm and we have all of the elements uh, that the planet has. So we have earth, water, fire, air, and ether space, which is ether space um, within us. And so does the planet or the world. And, and so everybody has different um, percentages of these elements. So let's say I'll talk about my dad again. So my dad is like a brown Santa Claus. Okay. He's like Uh, big uh, rosy cheeks. Like he's a bigger guy. Right. So when you think about the elements of earth and water, he has more of the heavier elements in him. Right. Okay. Okay. So then I am more petite, like I'm five one and I I don't know, I'm like 110 pounds. Okay. So I'm small. Mm-hmm. I have more of the elements of air and ether, but both my dad and I have this, um, cause I'm lighter, but both my dad and I have this fiery aspect to ourselves. Like mm-hmm. I'm a project manager by nature. I get shit done. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad, he's now retired, but he, he was a businessman, very entrepreneurial. My dad would get shit done. You no. Know? And he mm-hmm. still does. Um, and so that's the aspect of fire. Okay. And so, so my diet will look much different than my dad's diet. So, so generally speaking, in the Western world, we're like, oh, avocado is great for everybody or, you know, bananas are great or whatever. Right. And so, yeah, they're good for you in certain aspects. But if you practice Ayurveda, you will look at bananas a little differently. You'll say, oh, it has this mucusy, cold quality to it. So in winter, my dad eating bananas is not appropriate because it's a cold, heavy, wet season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so my dad, he, he's a bigger guy and he, you know, it, like if his heaviness goes up in that season, because it's a heavy season. And so then to add the banana creates like mucus and heaviness in his body. So mm-hmm. you have to 
eat in line with the seasons. Yeah. And so for instance, like some people that live in hot climates, the environment is hot. And if they have that fiery aspect within them, their internal fire is going to go up. And so therefore it would be more appropriate to eat cooling foods like cucumber and, you know, spearmint tea or something like that. Right. Versus Mm -hmm. drinking alcohol, which is like a fire igniter or having hot peppers or things like that, which will just further increase the internal heat in their system. And so then you look at how does that internal heat show up emotionally or mentally? It can show up as anger, irritability, like quick temper, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. How does internal inflammation or heat show up physically or physiologically? Like, I mean, you could get uh, some sort of rash or like, you know, inflammation on the skin or hemorrhoids or like, Think of the hot conditions that our body manifests because there's too much heat in the body. So when you think about it, all of our pain and symptoms is the body's way of speaking to us because Mm -hmm. the body can't like talk to you verbally. So it talks to you through pain or a symptom. And Mm -hmm. so these symptoms are telling you and I, hey, you're doing something inappropriate. There needs to be adjustments. And then that's where I come in. So as a yoga therapist, I get you to fill out this intake form of like, what are your physical symptoms? Symptoms? Where do you feel tension? Um, what are your physiological symptoms? Like where, you know what I mean? What's mm-hmm. arising in your system? And then psychologically, like anxiety is too much. So it's an increase of air and ether in the system. Too much lightness creates that anxious feeling. Too much heaviness creates that lethargic feeling, right? Yeah, too much yeah. fire creates that anger and irritability all of these symptoms are telling me that there needs to be an adjustment. And then I give you some suggestions. And if you implement them diligently, you'll start to see the symptoms start to pacify. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can you, uh, so when you were saying too much lightness, like that'll keep, uh, create like a airy feeling. So that could be like with anxiety and stuff, what foods, yeah what food was light and ether air? What foods uh, would go with that? I love that you asked that question. So um, heavy foods, think about, so we said that earth and water are the heavy elements. So think about food from mother nature, food from the ground. So in winter, mother nature, like, because in the winter, it's a bit different. It's a very heavy season, but it also has the elements of air underlying it because it's also an unpredictable kind of season where there's wind and things like that, right? So it's a little bit of both, but mother nature is beautiful in that she's given you root vegetables Mm -hmm. to, to work with, to pacify the lightness in the body. So in the winter, it's a cold season. So you take those root vegetables, but, and you eat like stews and soups and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would help offset the, the um, anxiety or pacify that air element of air and ether. Okay. And what foods yeah. would be considered air and ether? Would there be any considered air and ether? Oh, yeah, definitely. So then you look at the six tastes. So there's like, let's say, for instance, um, so there's bitter, sweet, astringent, pungent, salty, and sour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the six tastes. And the most easiest example I could give you is astringent. So have you ever had like a yellow date? Yeah. You know, those... Yeah. So when you eat it, don't you feel like you have like this pasty mouth after you eat it? Yeah, yeah, of course. Right. So that's the quality of astringent. So it's sucking out all the water in your mouth, kind of like that content to give that drying feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so, I know what so, you're saying. So that wouldn't be an appropriate food to eat if you are air ether like me because it's creating dryness in my body. It's, okay. So so if you think about the quality of air, it's like a dry, cool, um, light, and unpredictable quality, right? Mm-hmm. And so then if you're if you're eating something that creates that dryness, it's and also the date, the raw date is cooling, those types of things. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> I bet this is probably like when you started learning this, this is probably like changed the way you look at food a ton. Hundred percent. But it's also gotten me to look it's it's gotten me to look at the world differently as well like how it's all interconnected like we are the food and and we are part of the planet and we're all we all impact one another like as a society as a planet like the 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 seasons right what we put into our system so it's like how do I spend my day oh I'm sitting a lot okay I need to incorporate movement what's my mind doing like oh I need to like slow it down and and breathe and how should I be eating well I should be eating warmer foods like things like that like it's just it's just bettering my life on the whole because it's giving me all this insight and tools to live a better happier healthier life Mm -hmm. no that's awesome uh do you know like uh if for some people who might not uh like, cause you're saying like your dad is bigger, you're like a little smaller, it's a little easier, like for how can somebody kind of like understand their own um, constitution of these elements, like a little more, like maybe something that might be a little overpowered in them. Um, so Banyan Botanicals is a wonderful website. They're a company out in the States. And so I always tell my clients to go to that site to take the quiz and okay. it'll tell, it'll tell you, okay, you're constitution also known as dosha in sanskrit is this and Mm. this is where the imbalance is and then that's where we start when we when we work together we look at the dosha and what's imbalanced and then we go from there oh amazing all right i'll keep that in mind all right (laughs) this is uh this has been amazing a lot of info um i got one more question it's the name of the podcast (laughs) so uh nadia walji god yay (laughs) or nay Definitely. Yay. Yeah. Um, I think we all call God something different in different communities and cultures and um, languages. And so oh, I personally feel like it's just our own name for calling that higher power or that thing that which we cannot see, but we feel or experience if we're ever so lucky to experience. Heck yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, let my audience know uh, where they can get a hold of you. And I know you're here based in Toronto. So like if people want to yeah. work with you one-on-one or just even come out to a class, let them know where they can get a hold of you. Definitely. So um, definitely can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is follow Nadia. And um, currently I'm teaching at Symmetry, which is at Avenue and Bloor. And I'm also offering services out of this gym called Ferris 360, and that's located at Young and Davisville. But I'm also available for virtual consults as well as out of my home. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Nadia. This was a lot thank of fun. All right. That was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. 
You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram or check out my website, NewerKidY.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.